Okay, we're going to try again, Joseph. Sorry about that. Oh, no worries. So we can st- we'll just start over. Okay. Sounds All good. Right. I, th- I think I should be good now. That's fine. So we're thrilled to uh, welcome Noel Lavhart to the show. Um, interesting background here. Founder and CEO of TouchTap, a digital solution studio, and the CTO, I think it means Chief Technology Officer and co-founder of Variable, V-E-R-Y-A-B-L-E, a startup focusing on on-demand labor for manufacturing. He's also the host and co-producer of the Code Story podcast. So pretty excited about uh, visiting with you today. It sounds like you've got a pretty varied career. So uh, welcome to the show, Noah. Thanks for having me, Joseph. Excited to chat. So you're wearing the Chicago shirt. What's that all about? <laughs> well, some of our um, investors are based in Chicago and got to take a trip up there uh, recently. I say recently, it was last year, but um, took a trip up there, you know, and got the t-shirt, right? You know, I got to have, uh, got my kids some toys that say Chicago on it. I got to have a Chicago t-shirt for me. That's awesome. Uh, really, really enjoyed the town. Great downtown. Good. So you're from Texas, right? That's right. So I'm from a small town called Joshua, uh, South Fort Worth, um, I say it's small, it's getting bigger, but uh, yeah, I lived there my entire life, actually. So you are born and raised in Joshua, Texas? Yeah, yeah, I was I, actually, you know, funny fact, born in Cleburne, which is right next to Joshua. Uh, so I have to throw that technicality in there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, born and raised in Joshua. Tell me about your upbringing. Yeah, so um, typical kind of small town life. I was a country boy, uh, played outside a lot, played a lot of sports. Um, Interestingly enough, I'm a tech guy, but wasn't exposed to technology until late in high school and um, and in college. Um, but yeah, I played a lot of sports. Was involved in student council. You know, did the National Honor Society thing. Um, was super active in um, in in high school, middle school, all through life. Um, I have uh, four. Um, <clears throat> I have uh, four uh, siblings. Three siblings. Excuse me. There's four of us three siblings. I have an older brother, older sister, and a younger sister. So there were a lot of us to fight over the macaroni and cheese, uh, at the table. And, um, yeah, so both my parents, um, you know, still live in Joshua. Uh, they got a couple acres down there and we still go down there and see them. And, uh, it's nice to be out in the country sometimes. That's great. And then, um, so what'd you do when you got out of high school? Ask that one more time, Joseph. Yeah. What'd you do when you got out of high school? So I got out of school and I went to Texas A&M University. So I'm an Aggie. Uh, I've always been an Aggie. There's, there's, you know, probably 20 or 30 of us, uncles, aunts, cousins, all of that, um, that have gone to A&M through my dad's side, some through my mom's side. Uh, So A&M was always a a big family tradition, Um, not to mention it has its own traditions. And I just loved loved school. So got out of high school, went to Texas A&M, studied uh, computer science and applied mathematics and uh, graduated in 2005. And so, you know, I've heard a lot of stories about the Texas A&M. Um, you know, it, it's allegiance is legendary. I mean, as far <laughs> as like, to, you know, the football team and all you got the stuff you guys do for football games and all that stuff. Were you all in on that stuff? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, my, you know, I, I was there for five and a half years, uh, ended up getting two bachelor's degrees during that time, but I didn't miss a football game during, during those five and a half years. I was at every one. Um, uh, the first few years I sat with my dorm 
And then after that, I would sit um, with, uh, with the tickets I could draw through my job at the ticket office, which were second deck, 50-yard line. Um, so, yeah, yeah, Aggie fans are, are uh, devout fans. We stand up the whole game. Yep. Um, you know, we yell the whole game. Uh, you know, my, my, uh, there's two rings on my finger, my wedding ring and my Aggie ring, and neither one of them come off. Um, so, so I'm an Aggie through and through. Interestingly enough, my wife is a Sooner. So she, she likes to make fun of our, our Aggie cult, she calls it. Um, uh, but, uh, but, but she supports me anyway. <laughs> the big game is, is Texas every year, right? Well, it, it used to be. Um, then we, we moved to the SEC. I forget how many years ago, but, uh, it used to be Texas. Now it's, uh, it's pretty much. Uh, you say LSU because it's the that's the around the Thanksgiving time frame. But yeah, for years since um, you know A&M's inception or their fo- the football team's inception, it was A&M versus Texas, and that's that rivalry is still close to everyone's heart, but it just doesn't happen anymore. Right, and so um, so then um, do they still play Texas every year? Does a and still play Texas every year? Are you there? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm here. It's doing that cutting out, in and out thing. Uh, okay. Yeah, does Texas play Texas A&M every year still? No, no, they don't. Uh, and, and I think there may be some people that are trying to bring it back, but they don't. They don't play. Uh, they don't play each other anymore. The big Texas game um, every year now is is Texas OU uh, Red River Shootout. Um, but no, sadly, we don't get to, we don't get to play the T-Sips anymore. Well, okay. All right. Well, let's get down to talking a little bit more about you. So, um, you get out of A&M and then what do you do up until now? So graduated from A&M and I went to work for a company called Software Architects. Uh, so I was a .NET development consultant, so technology, uh, a web technology, ASP.NET. I would go work for different companies, and I, uh, my first client was Pier 1 Imports in downtown Fort Worth. I uh, went to work for them, did some development, did a couple of projects for a year. Um, then, interestingly enough, I started a band, um, which is, uh, <laughs> uh, is, is an f- interesting part of my life. Uh, played in a rock band on the side uh, while I was doing my professional life, and my, my bandmates were all kind of living in South Fort Worth. Uh, and I found out this opportunity to go, I found out about this opportunity to apply to Alcon Laboratories. So, um, applied and got it, I got accepted to work at Alcon, um, or was, you know, offered a job to work at Alcon, uh, in IT. Uh, and so moved to South Fort Worth. Um, did that. I worked at, um, Alcon Laboratories for eight years. Um, worked in document management and imaging. Um, retention worked really close with uh, the retention group and our legal group, um, R and D groups. Really, uh, really any group because they all had their own retention policies and things. Then for a few years, I worked in sales compensation, so the systems that paid out our sales reps and all of their commissions, um, which is a very delicate uh, set of systems. And um, and then worked in manufacturing. So I was an IT manager in the manufacturing plants in Fort Worth. Uh, where I supported the engineering groups, the infrastructure, uh, and some of the enterprise systems, the ERP, um, things of that nature in the manufacturing plant. Um, once once I, I, I did that, it was probably about year, year uh, about the seven and a half year mark. I started to, to 
want a little more. Um, and, and when I say that, I, I, I was well taken care of at Alcon. I worked for great people with great mentors, learned a lot, um, was put through my, uh, was put through college to get my MBA. Um, and I got my PMP as well, my project management professional certificate. So very well taken care of. Um, but I had the itch to sort of see the uh, fruits of my labor, uh, kind of in the big box corporate world, no matter how hard you work in, we'll say in IT, it's hard to see the difference you're making. Um, you can see that the lights are still on, um, but you're not necessarily moving the needle. And, and I, I get it, Alcon's product, you know, was was eye care products, right? And I'm a tech guy and I kind of wanted to see the fruits of my labor and I started to get the entrepreneurial itch. A um, little bit of background, I have a ton of family who own their own businesses, who do their own thing. Um, and so it's kind of my, in my blood to go sort of pay my own path. Um, so I started taking on some projects on the side, uh, building software and decided to leave Alcon to start TouchTap. So TouchTap was my, uh, my mobile development agency. Okay. So um, what did you, what year did you do that? So I did that in 2015. So April of okay, 2015. So, all right. So we had like a five year, this is kind of like a five year checkup here, buddy. You, <laughs> you, you left working for the man. Um, and so tell me about that discussion with your wife about, hey, listen, I'm, I'm leaving the cushy job with the benefits, the whole thing. I'm going to be a 100% commission salesman. What do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, it was, um, you know, I, I give so much credit to, uh, to, to my wife. Um, she was incredibly supportive. She would see me come home, you know, from the corporate world every day and, and kind of just see that, um, I won't say depressed look on my face, but just a little <laughs> bit, just like, you know, like, like you're not doing exactly what you need to do and there's more you want to do. Yeah. She would see that. And so when we started having those conversations, you know, she, she had some, um, some concerns, obviously the same concerns I had are just around, okay, we're going to jump. Um, we, we have young family, you know, I think at that point we were pregnant with our second or had our, just had our second. Um, and so oh, we had just had our second actually. Uh, so we had very young family, um, and, you know, pr proposing to essentially take a pay cut, take a benefits cut and figure this whole thing out. Um, so we, we socked away, uh, um, some, some funds to sort of have us a little, um, cushion, a little padding, um, and did that, you know, in a calculated risk sort of way and then, and then jumped out. So it, the conversation was really good. Um, I have an extremely supportive wife and, and high fives and, and hugs to her for that. So you, you'd done cliff diving before, right? You've been, you've gone to Mexico and done the cliff diving before? <laughs> not, not quite in Mexico level, but, uh, we'll say, uh, Lake Whitney, maybe Texas lakes cave, <laughs> cave jumping. So, or cliff diving. <laughs> okay. So, so you, you did your cliff dive, you're, you're jumping. And so five years later, you're hitting the water here. How, how's the dive been? Oh, it's been, it's been really, really good. Um, that doesn't mean it's been easy or it hasn't had its parts that were really painful. Um, but it's been really good. Uh, so I have learned a lot, uh, through, through these few businesses that I've, that I've done. Um, I have, you know, figured out how to build a parachute on the way down. You know, I figured out, uh, a lot of what I didn't know. Um, and not even what I didn't know about the logistical part of owning a business, but, what I didn't know about myself and can I go approach, you know, how should I approach things? How should I approach business? How should I approach new projects, new ideas, things like that? 
um, when I jumped out, I, you know, I had been working in the big box for eight years. I knew everything, right. I, I could do anything and, um, you know, took off, took off on my entrepreneurial journey and bit off way more than I can chew. The first project, there was a lot of, a lot of painful, painful memories. Um, but they shaped how I did everything moving forward. So they were hard, but I grew and I grew and, um, built on the wins, uh, and then added more wins and then added more people and more successes. So the ride has been great. Um, I don't think uh, I so could go. So is that touch tap? Touch tap? That, that's, that's touch tap. And actually to, to be, to be clear, touch taps no more. So touch tap has been wound down, but that okay. was touch tap was that we first started out as. Okay. Then it became variable. Uh, well, it, so TouchTap was my mobile development ag agency, and then I met my partner Mike uh, while I was doing TouchTap, and we we built it and started Variable um, kind of on the side, and I kept TouchTap going for a couple of years actually. And then Variable uh, started when? Variable started in May of 2016. Okay. So we actually Thanks. formed and started building the prototype then. And is Variable is that the company that is basically the your big one? That's my big one. Yeah. So, so touch tap, touch tap. I'm very proud of it. Um, touch tap. We, we did good. I ended up, you know, when, when we, when we were at our peak, I would say, um, we were doing well, had, you know, maybe 13 or 14 contractors that were working in and out on projects. We were taking on projects. We had some, some bigger support projects as well that we were working, um, with like park place dealerships and, um, this, this big company out of California called voice layer, and we were really doing well, but variable has been the success story. I think for me, um, we, we are, you know, over 70 people now, uh, full-time employees. My, my technology team itself is 12 people. Um, you know, my partner and I are, are continuing to grow the company, continuing to push, um, you know, our, we have plans to get across the entire United States and perhaps beyond someday. Um, so it's been, that's been the winning, the winning story so far. What does variable do? Variable, V-E-R-Y-A-B-L-E. What, what does that company do? So variable, so we're the on-demand marketplace for manufacturing labor. Um, so what does that mean? Uh, we're, we have an Uber tagline. Everybody has an Uber tagline in the on-demand space. Uh, we're the Uber for the shop floor. And so we provide businesses with uh, flexible capacity. So the ability to ramp up and ramp down their workforce as their demand fluctuates. Um, and then from the worker side, we provide flexible uh, work arrangements, uh, the ability to make your own schedule and daily pay. So you work an op, we give the business the next day to make adjustments and then you get paid that, that next day. So you essentially have a rolling paycheck if you work on our platform. So we've created this win-win for both sides of the marketplace, uh, manufacturers, distribution centers, warehouses, anything really in the supply chain industrial environment, and then workers in that, in that world. So the 70 employees you're talking about, are any of those the gig workers? No, no, those, so those are full-time employees. So uh, 12 engineers, a handful of corporate folks, uh, majority of people are the market teams that are boots on the ground in the geographical markets that we're in. Um, we're in 10 or 11 markets now, just starting into the Midwest. So that number actually might be a little bigger. Um, but we're in, uh, across the, across Texas and across the, uh, Southeast of the United States. <clears throat> How does that work? Um, from a cash flow, uh, 
how do you pay these guys that day? I mean, do, do, the, do, the, do your clients have to pay you that day as well? So great, great question. And you keyed into one of our early challenges that we had to figure out how to, how to make work. Um, so we, we pay the operators essentially up front, and then we charge the businesses the next week for that prior week. Um, and, and we have some traditional invoicing, which net 15 terms. And then we also have some, um, uh, some that pay credit card. So some that pay immediately. And so that usually takes a couple of days to process. So we do have, we, we uh, initially jumped out with a sort of a cash working capital problem that we had to figure out how to do. And um, we've partnered with the Silicon Valley Bank to, to, to provide us some working capital that, that helps us with that float um, and uh, continue to pay the operators uh, on time uh, daily and, uh, and then collect from our businesses. And that's worked out really well. So are these um, basically, are a lot of these guys laborers then? They, they are. So we have a lot of uh, warehouse workers. We have a lot of um, uh, laborers. That, so it is, it's unskilled labor. So we do have some higher skilled labor on the platform, maybe like welding, forklift driving, things like that. But mostly it's, uh, our, our, in fact, our two top, our top two skill categories are warehousing and assembly. So, you know, pick, pack and ship. Um, you know, receiving, um, you know, assembly, following some instructions and putting together some sort of kits, perhaps some QA work uh, in the manufacturing process. Uh, so primarily those things. So, uh, so the four year um, checkup on this business is pretty good. So far. Yeah. So far. So good. Um, we have a very supportive set of uh, investors as well um, that are, are excited about what we're doing. Um, we've been able to prove a lot. We've pretty much had a upward trajectory uh, since the beginning. Um, I will say excluding this pandemic timeframe. Um, sure. We're back on the upward trajectory now, uh, now that things are reopening. But, you know, for the couple of months, it was, I'll say it was flat. Uh, we didn't really drop too much, but it was pretty flat. No, I, uh, I get it. I mean, I, everybody, I mean, March 19th hit pretty hard and then, you know, who knows it's rolling now, but, um, probably less so in the South. Um, but you know, more so in the, in the North, um, mm. you have, you know, more of a halt to things. Yeah. Um, but, uh, exciting story. I mean, it's, um, so your partner is what kind of background does he have? Sure. So, uh, my partner's, uh, Mike Kinder. So he's our CEO and co-founder with me. Um, and actually the idea for variable originated with him. So he's, he's been an operations manager on uh, several plants in the past, worked for GE, ran plants for GE, uh, then became, uh, he worked for PricewaterhouseCoopers for uh, PwC for um, many years. He was st strategic uh, director of operations. So he would go out to these manufacturing plants and basically evaluate their operations and figure out how to make them work better. Sure. Right. And as he, as he, um, you know, went up there and did that thing, he, he saw like all this new technology coming, all of this, you know, IOT type stuff and new manufacturing tech that would, could be great, but was really expensive. And if you couldn't figure out your labor problem, then it was pretty much no one was going to invest in it. And so he had the idea for variable. Um, and we got introduced by a friend of mine, a uh, college roommate, Rylan Barnes, who's also a, a successful tech entrepreneur. Um, and, and, uh, he pitched the idea to me and, and here we are four years later. Do you think that variable happens without touch tap? 
Good question. That's a great question, Joseph. I, you know, I don't, I don't know that I've, I've thought about that too closely. Um, but I don't think that it would have, um, I don't think that I would have been in, involved. So I'm really thankful for touch tap. I think it taught me a lot about building software and executing on building an MVP. Um, you know, for, for, for TouchTap, our primary, you know, I, I mentioned some bigger, bigger customers that we were supporting, but our primary uh, bread and butter was new entrepreneurs who, who had a little bit of funding that wanted to build an MVP um, and really, you know, shave down what was needed to get it out to the market. And I think in doing that and learning that, um, I knew how to execute quickly on, on building something like that. And I think that really helped. Um, you know, it may have, it, variables still may have happened, um, but I don't know if I would have been as well equipped to jump in and, and start doing that. But that's a, that's a really good question. I'm, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to really think about that one and come up with a, an elegant answer for, for later. No, I, I think, you know, you build on all the experiences, you know, um, you know, that you have through life. I mean, I, you know, I was kind of reliving your experience. I, I started a law firm uh, when uh, my oldest was two and my second oldest was just born. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was kind of thinking about the discussion I had with my wife, you know, back in 96. And then now I have six kids and I kind of look at the businesses that I formed and, and look at who was living back then. But, but it takes a lot of, I mean, it's a roller coaster ride as well as a cliff dive. Mm-hmm. But the thing is you, you need to learn uh, through some, you know, strategic defeats, how to, to handle stuff. I mean, the one thing that, that I like about um, having, you know, some setbacks, et cetera, is that it keeps you hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, for you, I mean, right now, I mean, this is the, probably the point where your company needs you to innovate more than ever mm-hmm. uh, and change software and make it better and not sit back on your laurels and say, Hey, listen, we, you know, we've got, we've, we're done fine. I can go on, on coasting. No, it, this is the time right now where you got to double down. And so that must be a fun to wake up in the morning and, and, and kind of attack it that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I really like the way you put that. The setbacks do keep you hungry. You know, they do keep you, they keep you on your toes and, and they keep you wondering like, okay, what, what are we about to encounter? And I do, I do have that drive when I, when I, um, you know, go in these days. And I think, what really helps continue that drive is, is the culture of the, the team that we've created, especially my, my specific uh, tech team. Um, they're all innovators. They're all creators. They're all um, wanting to push the envelope and continue to make this platform that we've built um, be able to not only be sustainable, but to be scalable across the U.S., across the world, um, and continue to attack the engineering problems and the innovation that we need to, to continue to make happen. Um, yeah, so, I so see it's this, really good stuff. So, yeah, I, I see this. So, you know, C.H. Robinson and those companies did that for the trucking industry. Um, you know, Uber, obviously, and Lyft have done it for the, um, you know, ride-hailing industry. And you have the food delivery industry. So you're kind of dealing that for the construction industry. Um, what's the, what is the, uh, the market for that? What's, how much money is in that market? Sure. Good, good question. Um, so, and, and just to clarify there, so we don't support construction. We only support manufacturing supply chain, 
um, in the industrial type environment, uh, which construction is industrial, but it's a little different. Here, so hold on a second. So, so manuf- so, so then manufacturing. So mm-hmm. tell me what precise industries that you guys target. So we target manufacturing plants, distribution centers, warehouses, um, uh, third-party logistics, final mile companies, uh, things of that nature. So people that are, um, that are supporting the supply chain. So I heard there's a, a, a small company out of Seattle that uh, is pretty, um, pretty good at that. Who is that? Amazon. <laughs> oh. <laughs> do, you, do you work for them yet? Sure. Uh, no, no, we are, we're still, um, still trying to get in that, um, uh, in that arena. They have some internal systems. Um, you know, it's interesting, the things that I've heard about Amazon and I can't confirm any of this, but I've heard that the working conditions are a little rough. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, just as important on our platform, uh, you know, businesses are obviously really important on our platform. They're, they're revenue generating. They're, they're the ones with the opportunities. Just as important, though, is our workers. And we got to take care of those workers and make sure the businesses are, are you know, good that are on the platform. So there's a two-way rating system, you know. Uh, oh, I like that. I like yeah. that a lot. The, the, you know, just like, you know, uh, with Uber and Lyft is, mm-hmm. you know, I'm used to that. I like, yeah. to, I like to rate these people. I, I'm assuming they rate us too, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, they do. And so, yeah. um, and, and so one of the questions I, I think it's interesting is for all this stuff is, are you able to get, um, you know, patent any of this, this stuff that you're doing or not patent or, you know, whatever, give it, make it proprietary. Sure. Good question. So the core product that we've built, um, we thought about patenting it and, um, we, we don't think that the core product is, is patentable. Um, however, one thing that I'm, I'm curious about is these things that we're building on top of our core platform, if they are. So we build, we're building, essentially, we're building a way to sit our platform on top of your enterprise software, pull in real-time orders, real-time you know, manufacturing metrics around labor, and calculate how much on-demand labor you need based on full-time allocation and then on-demand need. And through our platform, um, and it's not quite finished yet, it's still in early stages, but through our platform, have those opportunities automatically post out to the marketplace and, if you want, automatically fill them. So essentially, you hook up our platform to your system and people show up when, when you need them to based on when your orders are going to need to be created. So that's, that's what we're going for. And I think something like that is, is uh, patentable. Um, I think we're we're close to the finishing stages of being able to hook that up to an actual use case for a, a, a large scale, you know, distributor. Um, so are there opportunities to patent? I think there, I think there are, um, but we haven't really pursued it super hard yet. Have you ever thought about instead of doing it, uh, licensing it? L- like basically building a white label platform. Yeah, licensing the, your 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 platform that you've developed your software and licensing it licensing it to other people. Um, we we have had thoughts of that, and um, what we want to do, and we haven't we haven't shelved those, or I'd say shelved. We haven't um, we haven't um, I don't know what the word is. We haven't said no to that. Uh, what we wanted to do in the beginning, though, was not get distracted with. Um, doing something else while we're, we're making sure that manufacturing is served. 
uh, and really the supply chain. I keep saying manufacturing and warehouse distribution. I could just say the supply chain capture them all. Um, so we wanted to focus on that vertical solution uh, first. Uh, but the core product that we have, we could basically white label it and license it to other people if we wanted to. I'm not, um, I'm not certain it would be as impressive the part that we white label. I think it's more impressive the operational tool that we're building for manufacturing. Mm. So where is your main, your main uh, business hub? Where, where, is it in, in Texas? Yes. So our, our main office is in the West end of Dallas. So we're, um, we're in the Coca-Cola building in the West end, uh, historic West end. Uh, we, yeah, we've been there since, um, January, 2017. And how, so tell me how you guys, um, handled the, handled the whole coronavirus four months. Sure. So that's, that's a good question. Um, you know, we're, we're back in the office now. I'm not because I have an air conditioner guy coming to fix my house today, uh, <laughs> but yeah. we are back. We are back in the office. And, um, those, f- those first couple of months were a little bit, a little bit strange. You know, we, we saw some interesting things happen on our, on our platform. We all went remote. Um, we stopped working in the office. We did shelter in place. We went and worked remote, um, which we're not a fully remote team. We're an in-office team. So that was, that was a bit of a challenge. There's, there were some teams that were challenged by that um, and really had to grow through that. Um, one of the interesting things as far as our business, though, that, that we saw was that we, may, we had a downtick in some businesses that run the platform. Then we had an uptick in others. We do support some uh, medical distributors um, that you know, had to get medical supplies essentially out to people. And so their, their business ramped up. Um, so we, we saw an interesting, you know, we saw the market sort of change a little bit, but some, some businesses drop and some businesses go up. Um, so that was interesting to watch. And, and as far as, you know, in general, um, we didn't have to let anybody go. Uh, the full team was still, still maintained. Um, our, you know, revenue curve went flat probably much like everybody else's or, I think a lot of people's went down, which is unfortunate. Um, but, but we maintained and, and now we're kind of back on the uptick. That's sweet. And, um, you know, that, that, that to me, going through that type of thing, as, so for our company, for our law firm going through that, you know, we, we basically made the commitment that everyone was going to stay on board and everybody's going to work, you know, remotely. But we learned a ton about, um, you know, how to operate that way. Um, and I, I think it's going to be great for us in the long run as far as productivity, um, just working at home. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's going to have an overwhelming plus to American businesses that they're going to be able to understand that productivity means more than actually being at the office. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's 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 very uh, very well said. I think we're all going to have the opportunity to explore that um, explore that a little better. Um, so yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. What do you what's your trajectory on this business? What do you, where do you think you're going to be in three five years? That's a good question. Um, within three years, um, I, I I want um, and my partner and I both want um, our footprint across the United States. Um, you know, we're, we're, we've been really excited about the Midwest for a long time. There's a lot of industrial environments in the Midwest and, um, we're just starting to scratch the surface. Um, we got our regional manager in place there, um, and starting to really jump into those markets. 
but within three years, I want to be across the United States within, within five, um, that's a five years is a lifetime in startup. So, uh, <laughs> uh, it's hard to plan out that far, but, um, you know, we've talked about international, we've talked about, um, you know, some of these other opportunities, uh, you know, some of these white labeling things that you've, that you've mentioned. Um, but really our, our roadmaps and timelines are usually about a year out. Um, right. so, so to say three years is, is, is exciting to talk about, but also a lot can happen in three years. No, I get it. I get it. Well, you'll have a 12 year old by then in three years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Don't yeah, remind so, me that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, let's change, um, change gears to your podcast. Uh, how's that coming along? It's going great. You know, um, same thing I think with, with everything that the, the pandemic has, has, uh, startled the, the, I would say the growth of it. Um, but I've, uh, I really, I do the podcast for, for me. It's, it's, it's kind of a hobby for me. Um, I was having conversations with CTOs and tech founders already, you know, sort of peer networking and asking questions of how you solve problems and things like that. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I'm kind of a podcast junkie as well. Uh, I don't know if you've listened to the podcast, um, how I built this with Guy Raz. Yeah, I've heard it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a great podcast and it was really inspirational in how I built code story. I love how he drives the conversation, how he interviews and really pulls out a lot of the, the human experiences from these business owners. And I sure. wanted that for technology and, um, tried to find a few shows, couldn't find it, uh, decided to do it on my own. And I was having these conversations anyway, so I was like, I'll just start recording them. And, and then got a little artistic and put them to music and edited them and things like that. So uh, 50, we're 52 episodes in and um, starting our third season next week, maybe the week after, depending on how editing goes. Um, a little interesting, this next season, I'm going to be editing all myself. I've had editors work, work with me the first two seasons. Now I'm going to do it all on my lonesome, um, which will be time consuming, but uh, is also really fun. So we'll see how it goes. So, so I do mine uh, video and people can obviously listen to audio. What do you do? I just do audio. Um, I haven't done the video yet. Um, you know, we'll do, I have, I use Squadcast for my interviews and we'll do, you know, video to video, but I won't record it. And so okay. I pretty much just pull audio down um, take the audio files, edit it. Um, again, I put it to music. So it kind of creates a, some tension in the story when we talk about hard stuff or when we talk about successes or reflecting like points where the, the founder's reflecting, you know, sort of some ambient music kind of things like that, but it really sets the mood of, of the story. Um, and so it, it's hard to do that with, with video, um, and time, time wise audio is just a little faster for me. Sure. And then, you know, you're, you're seeing this more as an art form, which is cool. I mean, and I think it is. I think the more, so, so I grew up, uh, when I was a teenager, um, I, I grew up in Washington state. So I when in 1977, um, the Seattle Mariners and the Seattle Seahawks became professional franchises. And so I listened to almost all the games as well as supersonics, um, on, on the radio. Cool. And so to me, you know, I'm a radio kid. I, I love the radio. And then as time went on, you know, cable came on board. And mm -hmm. so I followed America's team, you know, Atlanta Braves, you know, and all that type of stuff. So I became more of a video kid. So I'm kind of a blend, but mm -hmm. I really do like the radio aspect of it. So mm -hmm. your podcast, when you're developing that music and 
and you know drama, etc. Um, I don't know. Did you did you ever hear David Niehaus? You ever heard of him before? The broadcaster for the Seattle Mariners. That's uh, that name sounds familiar, but I, I can't I can't place it. Okay, so if you can ever you know look up some old stuff on Dave Niehaus, um, he was the broadcaster for Seattle Mariners forever. In my book, he was better than anybody. Um, you know, better than um, you know everybody that did baseball. And baseball is probably the best you know radio um, out there. And so, um, he was absolutely magical. Mm. And, uh, so I love, and so I think the podcast thing is, is great because people can listen to their cars, you know, they can listen, you know, when they're, they're home or, you know, through you know, Alexa or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, which I, I think is a really cool, cool thing. So I think it's fun that you're, you're doing that as a side thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. It, it is, it is really fun it, and it's fun to, to see people listen to it and like it. Um, it's fun to, to hear people say, Hey, I like this, but you know, could you do this or could you interview this person or, Hey, could you turn the music down? It's too loud. I got that a lot actually season one. Uh, and, and I, I like that. I like making something that, uh, that people like it's, it's fun. Well, it's cool, really cool that you're going to be editing it too. That's that kind of adds a little bit of your skill, you know what I mean? It, your handwork. You know I mean, it's like, you're making a custom made podcast. It's like, you know, making, you know, carpentry or something like that. It's, it's kind of 2020 carpentry. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that is, right. that is really, really cool. So listen, what can you tell us, um, uh, uh personally, are you, a sport, you know, other than the Aggies, are you follow anything? um you know i am so i am an aggie fan uh that's that's my team of all teams um i'm a sports guy in the sense that i love to play sports but i'm i'm the worst at like following teams and stats and and all that stuff i just don't pay too much attention to it all right give me top top three aggies oh oh gosh uh well (laughs) i'm biased but so my cousin was a receiver with johnny manziel so he's he's in the top for me um uh, Travis Laphart. Uh, I liked Johnny Manziel. Um, I think he's kind of a mess, but I really liked him when he was playing, uh, playing for the Aggies. Um, oh shoot. I really liked Toombs, Jamar Toombs when he was playing. Um, he was the, uh, fullback. Uh, oh, and, and Dak Wynn, Dak Wynn linebacker. Um, one of my, one of my all-time favorites. Uh, just really humble, it? humble guy. Yeah. Who was the best running back that ever went to Texas A&M? Oh shoot! Uh, Jamar Toombs was pretty darn good, um, so I, I may say that. But you know, I don't. I don't know that I could. I don't know if I could say this is what everybody thinks is the best one. I do. I did enjoy watching Jamar Toombs. He was a. He was a fighter. Right, and then the. Um, it, it, so is do they call the 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 crowd the twelfth man there? Yes, we are the twelfth man. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. I like, and and they do that with uh, the Seahawks. They stole that. Mm. Uh, you know, they have the number twelve, and they retire the number twelve, all that stuff. And uh, right, totally stole. So, it. <laughs> yeah, they to- completely stole it from the Aggies for sure. Well, cool, man. And then uh, tell me uh, about your personal life a little bit. Uh, you, you have a nice family. Uh, you said you're a big outdoors person. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, a couple of things, I guess for, for me personally. Um, so I, I am an outdoors guy. I, I like to hunt and fish. I, uh, I just recently, we took the family to go see my sister-in-law in, in Crested Butte, Colorado and did some fly fishing, did some hiking. Oh, um, I mean, that's, that's my place is in the mountains. Um, 
so so definitely an outdoors guy again i love to hunt deer hunt uh pheasant hunt uh bird hunt anything really um and just like to be outside love to play with my kids you know love to be with my wife um and then you know what's important kind of core to my life too is my faith i'm a a man of faith i'm a christian um and i think that's uh it's really important um for for me uh it's really kind of the lens i see everything through uh or or try to see everything through definitely um flawed and sinful man but um but yeah it is core to my life that is cool yeah so um i i think that's you know the number one thing you have to have in your life is a belief system. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of, you know, very successful people have a belief system and, you know, um, you know, a lot of people know who mother Teresa is and, and her thing was God first, other second, me last. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that. I think it's ecumenical. I think, you know, um, it could be for anybody. And, um, I think a lot of people, um, of the, the leaders of really good organizations, and, and you're one of them with this, with this up and coming company is that the, the, the best leaders in my book are the ones that are servants to the people that work for them mm. and help them, help them, you know, uh, be who they need to be for the company. And, and to be also to be, um, you know, one of my thoughts for everybody that works at, at, at my companies is, um, my role for them is to say, listen, I want to help you to get the most out of yourself, to get the most education so, so that you, you know, after you, um, you're, you're, there's a couple different ways you're going to leave our company. Either you're going to quit, either you're going to die, or, you know, we're not going to need you anymore, whatever that is. Um, I'm hopeful that, that, that you uh, figure that out for yourself because, uh, but when you leave here, I want you to be like the most educated thought leader in your area. And I think if you give that type of approach to every person that works with you, every team member that works with you, how could they not be all in? Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. You know, I'm reminded of a book um, that I've read by Dan Pink. Um, and it, it talks about motivation and a couple of those things that that really ring true with what you're saying are autonomy and mastery, right? Like giving people the ability or the opportunity to go master something and be the best they can and be thought leaders and learn a bunch, but also the autonomy. So give them the ability to go own it and whether it goes good or bad to, to own it and learn from that and continue to get better. I think that's really, really important stuff. Yeah. And, and, and with your, with your team, I, I'm sure you're a guy that, that, that tells them that you're grateful for them because you know, and I, so that's the thing with me. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm one of 10 kids and, you know, my dad made 18 K a year and, um, you know, he gave me the opportunity for a really good education and, uh, both my parents did and I took advantage of it, but the education that you get from schooling is a lot different than the education you get from outside of schooling, as you know. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad that, you know, I, I grew up in the laboratory of the United States because, you know, other parts of the world, this, what we do is not possible, mm-hmm. but, and so people think it for granted. I, I think, you know, um, I'm really grateful that I was put in a situation where I could, you know, start something and, and enjoy it and then make mistakes and then come back and all that type of stuff. So, um, 
sounds like you've been doing a great job of that, Noah, and I hope you just, you know, I hope that we'll talk again maybe in a couple of years and you'll be telling me about how far, uh, you know, your company's come and you're going to take over the world too next. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, Joseph. And I definitely appreciate that. And it's been fun. It's been fun to have the conversation. It's great to meet you, learn something about you. And I do hope we do it again. Absolutely, buddy. And listen, man, good luck to you and your, your lovely family. And, and go get it. Go get the rest of the United States. And then we'll talk about your, the, the world market, okay? <laughs> Sounds good. All right. We'll see you now. All right. Take care. Bye.